Well, hey there, preachers. Today we're looking at uh, week number two, sermon number two of our Minor Prophets series called When God Speaks. We're going to talk about Zechariah today, and I'm on the call with Pastor Dave Mickelson. Dave took the lead on this particular sermon. So uh, Dave, why don't you give us just kind of an, an overview of Zechariah? Some, uh, some preachers out there, maybe it's been a while since they opened up this <laughs> book of the Old Testament. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, you know, Ryan, just in some kind of basic baseline, if you remember, Zechariah is part of what we're calling, and it's historically has been called the minor prophets. And it's not that they're minor or they're kind of a subspecies, but it's just that their books tended to be shorter in nature. And so um, Zechariah is really an interesting person. Uh, because the background of the book is basically set against the return of God's people from exile uh, from the Babylonians. They've been in exile from the Babylonians, and now they get to return to Jerusalem. And so this really difficult period of bondage is over, um, and they get to come back to their home. And so God's going to use Zechariah in a number of ways. Um, and one of those is, is to really understand that his, his role, I think, is to preach hope and mercy. Um, he's called the prophet often the one who preached reconciliation and restoration to God. Um, he, he's privileged to announce God's return to his people, and he, he wants to encourage them to rebuild the temple and the city of God and to kind of put an end to their idolatry and to reestablish their true worship of God. So he's he's a key figure kind of in the the restoration of the people of God back to God. Yeah, and so that is the you know the title is how to begin again. So this is a this is a good sermon about starting over, right? For those who maybe have drifted from God um, and uh, and who who want to come back to God, which is such a theme just all throughout the Old Testament. Of course, God's people just kept screwing up, and God was either uh, you know disciplining them, but all, even in His discipline, it was always to bring them back to Him. Yeah, and and that's you see this theme throughout the Old Testament, but it's it's really not just an Old Testament theme. Uh, this book is just as relevant, I think, today as it was thousands of years ago, because we, we all have this tendency to, to drift. And so I, I remember when I, right when I first went to California to go to college, uh, I wanted to go body surfing. So my friends that were natives of there took me out to go body surfing. And with it, in a half an hour, I didn't know it, notice, but the current had taken me quite a bit away away from where we had started and and i kind of got lost and so my buddies they started laughing at me they they taught me a little secret though they taught me that you need to know the lifeguard station number so that as you do drift one way or the ocean depending upon the currents you can find your way back and uh, i never forgot that and i kind of feel like that's kind of what zachariah is saying is remember god's the number Mm. And remember that life has this tendency to pull you away from him. And really what I think the book's all about is how to begin again once you've drifted from God. 
Yeah, that's good. And, and that's a good, I noticed in your notes, and just a reminder to all the preachers that uh, you can take a look at Dave's manuscript notes uh, on our uh, Pursue God Network site, pursuegodnetwork.org. Just check out our sermon uh, library there. So Dave, I'm, and Dave and I are walking, working through those right now, even as we talk. And so I, I see that that's your hook, as you're getting into the sermon by talking about drifting. I love it. It's That's a great story. So and preachers out there can think of their own stories about drifting, um, because really this is a, this is a, I think this is going to be a great, uh, powerful sermon to preach. Let me give, let me give the preachers kind of the outline, Dave, here's where you're going with this. The, the first, the first point is you're going to say, quit acting like your crazy cousins. I, I can't wait to unpack that one with you. Uh, number two, you say then start rejoicing because God is coming to live with you. And then finally you're going to end with keep living according to his word and in his spirit's power. So Dave, let's get into that first one. And, and it comes from Zechariah 1, verses 2, 2 through 4. Why don't you read that? Yes, um, Zechariah writes, I, the Lord, was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore say to the people, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Don't be like your ancestors who would not listen or pay attention when the earlier prophets said to them, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, turn from your evil ways and stop all your evil practices. And so that, that is talking about ancestors, and you, you're going to call those people your crazy cut. I, I think that's very creative, Dave, because you have some crazy cousins. Is that true? Yeah. And as I say in this <laughs> thing, I, you know, I really have some crazy cuddle, cousins. I don't want to belittle them or embarrass them. But as I say in the document, I mean, they make rednecks look sophisticated, <laughs> and um, I have so many stories of them, but I can't share them in the church. Uh, and, but if there was a crazy cousins contest uh, competition, I would win hands down. There's just no doubt about it. First place guaranteed. It, I'm just saying. And so what God's saying, in in a kind of different way though, is stop acting like your ancestors did. Yeah. Because the ancestors uh, really didn't listen to God. They heard him, but they didn't really hear him. And it really did remind me when I first got married, Brian, um, I was an avid ESPN fan. And uh, my wife would come and talk to me. And even though I was listening, I really wasn't listening. And she would trick me and she would say things and I would just say, uh-huh. And in the end, we'd get to have a little marriage talk uh, because it was obvious that I wasn't listening to what she was saying. And it really reminds me even what Jesus said. He says, the person who has ears, let them hear. You know, Jesus isn't commenting that some of you have ears and some of you don't. Mm. What, what we would say today is, you know, in one ear, out the other. Mm -hmm. and, and Jesus is really saying it's entirely possible to kind of go to church, it's easy to even read my word, but really not listen. And so when the Lord talks about listening in the scripture, it's really listen to obey. Yeah. It's really listen to follow directions. And so the crazy cousins, these ancestors, really stopped listening to God. Yeah, and when you, they, stop, when you stop listening to God, you start listening to... Um, the people around you, the culture around you, right? And this is, I think this is true, you know, back in the Old Testament, and it's 
just as true or maybe even truer today is you start listening to maybe maybe that maybe I said it the wrong way. It's not that you stop listening to God and start listening to others. It's that you start listening to others and then you stop listening to God. You start elevating the voices in your culture or for the young people out there, high schoolers or junior hires, you start listening to your friends, your friend group, and you stop listening to God's word or your parents communicating God's word to you. And so be careful uh, who you listen to, right? This is kind of the point um, because then you slip into what you call in your notes, a season of sin. Yeah. I think every parent knows that whoever their kid really listens to, they start following them. They start talking like them. They start acting like them because they're influenced by them. And these ancestors had stopped listening to God, and they started to listen to people far from God. And, you know, once you do that, you, you really enter some dangerous territory. And when, we, when any of us stop listening to God and start listening to other voices, even start listening to our own voice, we, we tend to adopt the lifestyle of those we're listening to. And, and that usually, if not often, leads to a season of sin. And some of our listeners would know what that means, some might not, but it's not just like, oh, I made a mistake one night, or oh, I wish I had that choice back, or even I had a bad week. It's, it's really a willful kind of intentional uh, drifting from God to such a level that um, you are willfully and intentionally sinning. And that can lead into a really damaging uh, season of sin. So then you you move on to the second point then, and I think that's a really, that first point is, I think, continuing to set the hook. You know, again, the point, really the, the structure of your sermon is that the, that the prophet gives us three ways we can begin again, right, with difficult challenges. And number one, you say stop, stop, you know, living like your crazy cousins or listening to the wrong voices, right? And then you say the second thing then, and this comes from chapter two, start rejoicing because God is coming to live with you. Yeah, and really, um, this is incredibly gracious of God, this idea that uh, God would pursue people that aren't even pursuing him. And God decides to reestablish a relationship that people understand now they're kind of broken. And so the Lord says in, in verse 10 through 12 in Zechariah 2, he says, the Lord says, shout and rejoice, O beautiful Jerusalem, for I'm coming to live with you. And just imagine that 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 God is willing to come live with people, and broken people, hurting people, rebellious people, and, and really in the end, if you read the scriptures, you understand God is always the great initiator. And, and in this message, Brian, I wanted to take a little time to say, hey, this, this is who God really is. You know, a lot of people want to describe God as kind of a demanding tyrant or a mean policeman, or kind of this cruel, sadistic judge, or maybe being cold and aloof and not personally involved, but that's not what God is really like. Um, the Bible describes God here as incredibly gracious, incredibly merciful and loving, and he has this desire to live among his people. And, and I kind of use this thought in my head as I was doing this section, that God wants to move back into the neighborhood. Um, we've kind of disowned him. We've treated him badly. We've distanced ourselves from, from him, but God thinks it's time and he's going to move back into the neighborhood 
he's maybe it, really biblically speaking going to move back into our house, into the house of our heart. And I, I find that absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I, I know that some people might be sitting there. I always like to, especially at this point in the sermon, to be thinking about the uh, the person who feels far, obviously who feels far from God, or they feel like they've di- maybe disqualified themselves with their choices, um, with with their uh, some of their lifestyle, you know, habits. And I think that person is sitting here at this point in the sermon, thinking, "Why would God want that? Why would wa- why would God want to move back in the neighborhood? Why would He want?" to be in relationship with me. And, and, you know, maybe the person who understands some theology realizes, you know, God doesn't need me. He doesn't, he doesn't need a relationship with me. He's self-sufficient. And you answer that here at this point in the sermon. Yeah, I think we're all kind of the broken people, if we're honest, and we're all lacking. We, you know, there's none righteous. The scripture says not one, there's nobody good. So in a sense, you know, we're, this is why the Old Testament is so applicable today, that it reminds us that even in our brokenness, um, even in, after our season of sin, that God is willing to pursue us. Um, he hasn't given up on us, even though we maybe have given up on ourselves. Um, he decides to come and live among his people again. And um, what struck me uh, deeply in this message was this idea is how would I react to someone who did this to me? Um, how would I react to someone who stopped listening to me? Right. Who rejected the, to you? Someone, yeah. yeah. They, they reject you. Uh, they actually replace you. Mm. Um, and I honestly, in my heart of hearts, I'd probably go, I'm kind of done with that yeah, person. Right. I'd reject them back. Yeah. I'd be, I'm, yeah. and I, and I can probably make a list of people <laughs> for whom I've done that, that I've said, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this person. Yeah. So to me, this was kind of the most moving personal point for me. You know, when you prepare a message, you know, they say God speaks to you first. And I really think it's true. Yeah. This was just really good for me to think about Jesus, you know, love your enemies and do good to those who hurt you. Um, And here's God saying, you've done all of this to me, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to not only reconcile, but I'm going to reconcile and restore. That's a beautiful picture of God's grace to me. Yeah, and I love what you say at this point, in the re- and it's really simple, but it's so profound, is the reason he, he reconciles and restores and doesn't do what, what we would do to someone who rejects us is because he wants to. He wants a right. relationship with you. He, he has this desire to have a relationship with you. And to me, that is so, it's such a simple point, but I think people need to hear that. The reason he's not going to reject you like you've rejected him is because he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He's going to keep fighting for this. He's going to keep pursuing you. Uh, And some people, I think, are going to need to hear that. Uh, And it's not really about them. Um, It's it's not because they're so worthy and all that stuff. It's just because that's just... at the heart of God is a desire to pursue us in spite of us. Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah, I, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So then you move on to this third point, okay? So the third way then to begin with God, and this is where you get r- r- really pragmatic, right? This is where you get super practical, which is good because I think 
so far in the sermon, we've we've stirred people's emotions that that God wants you and that God, you know, that that God hasn't given up on you. And but now you're going to say this, okay? Because people are probably saying, "So what do I do? What what should my response be?" And you say, "Well, keep keep living according to His Word and in His Spirit's power." And that comes from chapter four in verse six. Yeah, I think you know a lot of books of the Bible have kind of famous verses and Zacharias is not by my might, not by my spirit, but by, you know, God's spirit. And I remember as a young Christian, I, you know, when, when God, when I would receive his mercy and grace, I, I then would try to like muscle up my commitment to God. Mm. Yeah. I would try to, you know, use my strength. And so that's why I said there, there's, there's no muscling it up to, to live a changed life. Um, and I think that's what Zachariah is talking about here. It's not our strength. It's not our power. There's no protein drink that's going to give you more power with God. It's the Spirit, and it's God's gracious Spirit, God's helper, um, God's encouraging Spirit that comes alongside of us and says, listen, I'm going to help you get right with God, and I'm going to help you uh, with power so you can say no to sin more and yes to God more. And And I think that's just the way God wants it. He wants us to live in and through His power. And this might be a good time to just throw a little bit of uh, theology in there and say, you know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit um, wasn't released to all the people yet, uh, which was fun- made it fundamentally different to try to follow God uh, in the Old Testament before the cross and the resurrection. But now, because of the cross and the resurrection, um, the whole anyone who's put their faith in Christ um, gets the Holy Spirit personally residing in them, empowering them, moving them to be obedient. So we have a we have a an edge on a, a major edge. That's almost an understatement. We have this incredible advantage over against the Old Testament followers of God is we have the Holy Spirit in us. And I, I remind my kids of that all the time when they go to school and when they're surrounded by this culture and all their friends and crazy cousins and whatever, I just say, hey, you guys have the Holy Spirit in you, moving you to be obedient. You can be obedient. It's not just your willpower. It's the Spirit of God in you, moving you uh, to be obedient to God. Yeah, and that's why uh, Ephesians 20, we're going to end with this verse. It's my life verse, because it says, you know, now oh, glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us. It's not our power. It's God's mighty power. We're talking about the same power that created the universe, the same power that can part the sea, you know, the same power that uh, can help a blind person see. It's through his power, but but Paul's very specific here. It's a power that works within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. And so, as you said, Brian, we have this incredible power source called the Holy Spirit that helps us follow God, obey God, trust God, uh, do works for God, help us to help others pursue God. So we're, we're not alone. So then, Dave, I love how you wrap this up. I, I always love it when a sermon, and this is just maybe my preference, but I love it when a sermon at the close comes back to the hook at the beginning. And so when you, when you wrap up this sermon, you come back to this concept of drifting from God. Yeah, I think um, drifting is just so slow and it's so subtle, and we hardly notice it. So I want to 
I want to kind of come back to just say, listen, it's really easy to drift. But drifting does what it always does. It moves us far from something or someone. And um, and so I just want to say, hey, maybe some of you listening to this message that you, you've drifted. And the joy you used to have, the Lord, has been replaced with guilt. And so what do you do? And that's why I, I so love Scripture, because God tells us what to do. Um, he goes right back to really this overview of Zechariah. Quit living like your crazy cousins and start rejoicing because God's come to live with you and keep living according to his word and his spirit's power. And so that kind of wraps up uh, this message. Yeah, and I like at the end here, you have Ephesians 3.16. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's good. So yeah. this the sermon is uh, it's it's our minor prophets number two week number two it's on Zechariah the title of the sermon is how to begin again and preachers if you want to take a look at Dave's uh, sermon notes if you want to look at the uh, the slide resources or uh, the small group version of this particular sermon you can find links to all of that it's all free so that you can customize this sermon and preach it for yourself find it at pursuegodnetwork.org uh, in our sermon library thanks Dave.